Donald Trump made history today as the first sitting president to cross into North Korea. And it's kind of an amazing moment. You see Donald Trump with Kim Jong-un cross through the DMZ. They stand there for a, a little while. I think it was like 18 steps and they walk back. This is an amazing sign of trust and peace. And hopefully this will be something that brings us into a complete and formal end of the Korean War. But of course, strangely, it seems like there are many people who are trying to insult or sabotage the president when it comes to his efforts on ending war in general. A lot of people have commented back in uh, a couple of years ago when Trump fired, fired missiles at Syria, that in the media, they were saying he was seemingly presidential now. I think there's one big issue that really shows you why the media is willing to smear someone, why they're willing to lie and cheat. And it's very obvious. It's war. Trump pulled back from Iran and then he was attacked and insulted by many people on the left saying, you know, good on Trump for you know coming to his own senses. Whoa, 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 hold on. Don't yell at him for doing the right thing. I think an element of why people are attacking Trump's efforts on ending war comes from they hate Trump so much they have to target him no matter what. But I also believe there are people who just love war. And I've got some other articles pulled up I want to go through. Censorship targeting anti-war leftists, as well as Vox saying Tulsi Gabbard's anti-intervention stance is conservative. I kid you not. But we'll start with the big breaking news, Donald Trump making history from CBS. Trump crosses into North Korea and meets with Kim Jong-un. Before we, before we get started, head over to timcast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There's a monthly PayPal option, a crypto option, a physical address. But of course, the best thing you can do, just share the video if you like it, because YouTube, as of recently, is no longer suggesting my videos. So I now rely on you to suggest them for me. CBS writes, President Trump on Sunday became the first sitting U.S. president to set foot on North Korean soil when he crossed into the demilitarized zone that divides, that divides the Korean peninsula to hold an impromptu and historic meeting with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. After the roughly 45-minute long meeting, Mr. Trump told reporters he and Kim had agreed to restart negotiations in the hopes of brokering a deal to start the full denuclearization of the peninsula, a long-sought and elusive foreign policy goal of American administrations for decades. The president, who hailed his great relationship with, no with the North Korean strongman, invited Kim to the White House to continue talks. Through an interpreter, Kim told Mr. Trump, I never expected to meet you in this place. Could you imagine if Kim Jong-un came to the White House? I would not believe it. I do not believe it will happen. But that'd be incredible. I want to make a, uh, well, let, let's read on before I get into the personal stuff. I want to show you the, the stuff I got pulled up. The president, meanwhile, called the meeting a big moment after years uh, of bitter hostility between the two countries that dates back to the Korean War. U.S. forces have been deployed in South Korea since the height of the civil war in the peninsula, which has technically not ended because no armistice was ever signed. Large-scale fighting ceased in the summer of 1953. In an earlier uh, press conference, the South Korean president, Moon Jae-in, Mr. Trump, said it was too soon to know whether there will be a third summit with Kim following the unsuccessful summit earlier this year in Vietnam. So there's a few things I want to point out. This is huge. I want to give credit to Donald Trump. And I want to get personal with it. As many of you know, it's it, it is a bit of a meme when I say I'm mixed race. But yes, I am part Korean. 
My grandparents were Korean. My great grandparents actually come from two different cities, Seoul and my, my and I, uh, as I understand it from what my mom's told me, Heiju. Heiju is in North Korea. I've been to Seoul. It was awesome. I got to go there and see, you know, look at some point for some reason, someone in my family decided to leave this place and come to the United States. And I wonder why. I got to see Seoul, but I didn't get to, I didn't, I, I will not be able to see Heiju until this war is officially over and they open up the borders and normalize uh, relations. Now, it's entirely possible I could, you know, file, uh, file paperwork and, and make a petition to try and go and visit my uh, ancestral homeland. There's other places I've been to, such as the UK, Ireland, Germany, where that's where my dad's side of the family comes from. Here's the thing. I've met my great grandmother when I was very little. I've seen my dad's side of the family. I haven't seen my mom's. It would, it would mean a lot to me to be able to go. Well, I should say I've been to Seoul, right? But I'm, I'm never going to meet those people in my family. They're long gone. But I would like to still go and, and explore the land from which my ancestors came. The only way that's going to happen is if someone can bring about peace. So you know what? As much as I personally don't like Donald Trump and his attitude and all this, he will have my unyielding support in trying to bring about peace in the peninsula. And that's why it's shocking to me to see, to see so many people criticize him and attack him and try and sabotage this moment because it affects me in a very personal way. When Trump was doing the first summits and the first meetings and all that stuff, I was, I was so excited and I'm still very excited. But I tweeted something out that it's actually terrifying to see that so many people hate Trump so much that they want to sabotage this. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's not fair to say they want to sabotage it, but they're willing to cause disruption and destruction and attack him over trying to bring about peace. The same is true for Iran when he backed out from, from uh, bombing the, these targets because of, because of the potential loss of life. People attacked him for it. And I'm like, hey, man, let him do it. Let, let him back away. And, and I respect him for doing so. There's a lot of things I disagree with him on, domestic policy and otherwise. I, am no, I have never been a, a diehard fan of Trump. I actually lean away from supporting him for the most part. Uh, again, I'm moderate. I'm not an, you know, an anti-Trump Trump, Trump derangement person. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to praise him when the economy does well. And I'm especially going to sit there and, and, and give an applause when he becomes the first president to cross into the DMZ. You realize that there have been situations in Korea where the soldiers, the, the, the South Korean soldiers have to hold the arms of other soldiers because the North will try and pull them in. Trump walked into North Korea, exposing himself to great risk. And it was a good thing. And he came back out. And now we have a sign of trust. This is an excellent step. It's a historical moment. So why are there people who don't like it? Check this out. At the same time, the top US trend is North Korea. And we're seeing a historical moment. Media outlets are reporting on Otto Warmbier. Warmbier, I'm sorry if I'm not pronouncing his name wrong. His story is tragic. North Korea is a, is, is a relatively bad place. I'm trying to keep my language tempered because we have something good happening. We have a positive moment. But we know about the, the prison camps, the gulags, whatever you want to call it. We know that North Korea is extremely oppressive, but we have to do our best to bring about peace if we want to end it. So the same day Trump makes this, this, this move, this unprecedented, unprecedented historical move, we see the Washington Post running this story. They say, what happened to Otto Warmbier when the unthinkable is unknowable? President Trump said that if Otto had been taken out of North Korea sooner, the outcome would have been very different. But people, Jim Shudo says, Trump just cited return of U.S. hostages as a sign of goodwill from North Korea, seeming to forget Otto Warmbier was returned brain damaged and near death. Listen, 
Someone said, Trump endorsing American citizen uh, Otto Warmbier's murderer again. Right. I get it. This is a top U.S. trend, Otto. These are the people bringing up this very tragic situation because they hate the president so much. Listen, I don't like what happened to Otto. It was a bad thing. But you have to understand there's tact, right? That Trump can't come out and just start attacking Kim Jong-un. He's trying to bring peace to the peninsula. There's a such thing as, as diplomacy. And even though we know that the North Koreans have done bad things, let's try to let peace be in the forefront. Instead, what do we see? Look, since I've started filming this, since I've pulled this up, 411 new, re- new results, 411 new results of people bringing up this terrifying, this horrifying situation. And I feel that's going to be uh, detrimental to what I really want to see here. You don't have to like Trump. You don't. And there are some good principled people pointing out as long as we can bring peace to the peninsula. And that affects my, my, my family and me personally. And so I take personal, uh, I am personally slighted by these people who are disrupting a historic moment. Bring peace, please. Not only that, but I'm very, very anti-war. Let's move on. This is what Splinter News writes. Well, this happened. And this story basically frames the whole thing as if Trump is just trying to make a PR moment, saying it's a made-for-television moment, and that Trump is simply trying to give himself good press. That's why he's standing there. He's standing in North Korea, the president. Where's this? Where's security? They're, they're both in a very vulnerable position. They both walked back and forth. And this is tremendous. I long for the day when we can see true world peace. Isn't world peace something admirable? Can't you say that Trump can be a slimy bad person who, who does bad things domestically in terms of like immigration policy, but his foreign policy in this regard is a good thing? Listen, I'm not saying his his domestic policy is bad. I'm pointing out that it's fine to criticize him. And I've criticized him time and time again. But in this regard, can't you at least be like, we're going to give Trump this one. Okay, can we give Trump this one and just call a truce while he's standing there with Kim Jong-un? No, they're going to attack and they're going to be little. But I'll tell you why I think this is. It's because there are people who really want war. And I mean that seriously. There are people who want nothing but war for whatever reason. They want global conquest. I don't know. They attack Trump for pulling back his assault on Iran. They insult him now. And check this out. Two years ago, the New Republic writes, let me see if I can make this a little bigger. Donald Trump is losing some of his biggest supporters over Syria. Tucker Carlson, apparently, I don't know, you know how the statement was made, but advised Trump not to attack Iran because it would hurt his base. Whether or not that's the reason Trump did it, Trump did the right thing by not attacking Iran. Even though they attacked our drone first, Yes, I get it. But revenge begets revenge. Let's do our best to stay out of war. When Trump filed, it was 59 Tomahawk missiles at Syria. A lot of people in his base were outraged. Some of his most vocal supporters said, no, enough. So I think about the censorship. I think about who gets targeted in the censorship. And while we do see it's very often Trump's supporters and conservatives, I I think this shows you why. They're anti-war for the most part. And when they speak up and speak out, they get censored, just like the anti-media. What you're seeing here is what Project Veritas published in their Pinterest expose, proving that Pinterest had censored a conservative group live action. But what I pointed out is that just above it is a group called the antimedia.com. Now, look, there's a lot of uh, adult websites listed here in their adult blacklist. But why is live action a conservative group uh, being censored. And also, why is the anti-media? Now, 
Veritas didn't bring up the anti-media when they were talking about the censorship. I did. My video was taken down. The anti-media is a staunchly anti-war publication. They're kind of like libertarian anti-war. They have some left-wing articles, but for the most part, they write stories in opposition to war. And they're also smeared and censored. Isn't that interesting? I have more though. This was, I believe, last March. The Southern Poverty Law Center wrote an article smearing me and many other anti-war leftists. It was a really weird attempt at, at, at claiming that our positions on anti- opposing war intervention was somehow far right. They had to pull it and issue an apology. They apologized to Max Blumenthal, Ben Norton, me, Ronnie Akalik, Brian Becker. For the most part, all leftists, they even said that we were individuals on the left who share some policy views with respect to multipolarism that are also held by the far right. Of course, the far right is meaningless to these people, but you can see how this game is played. There are very few staunch anti-war leftists, true progressives who are not authoritarian, who believe in freedom and oppose war. There's not that many, but they are targeted in the press as well. And here's my favorite so far. Vox calling Tulsi Gabbard's stance on war conservative. I'm not joking. They smear her. They target her. Why? Because she opposes war wholeheartedly and on principle. Even going to the point so far, uh, uh, like with such integrity that Pat Buchanan of the American conservative praised her and many conservatives praised her saying, you know what? Even though her domestic policy positions are relatively far left, they're actually like social Democrats, not as far left as you can get. But her position on war is the one position that people should have. Stop sending our, our, our children, our, our soldiers, our, our troops into foreign wars for no reason. When it's not working, it's time to pull them out. And even conservatives can recognize that. And this to me shows, it may just be me, the one real issue that truly scares the establishment those who would oppose war, Trump's base, which many of them do, not all of them, and anti-war leftists, of which there are fewer. So Vox publishes this tweet. Tulsi Gabbard served as a combat medic in the Iraq war. She became a progressive star when she was first elected in the House in 2012, but has since faced criticism for her conservative stances on Islam Islam and foreign wars. I kid you not. Conservative stance on war. What's her conservative stance? that the United States should not be interfering in foreign countries and starting regime, regime change wars like we've been doing. A position that I would imagine most Americans would agree with. Donald, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Barack Obama ran on pulling our troops out of the Middle East. Did he? No, some, but he did put more in there as well. And now Donald Trump, mostly John Bolton, is getting us dangerously close to war with Iran. However, to his credit, he pulled back a strike. He said, no, the loss of life was too great and it was disproportionate. We've seen some people like even Ben Shapiro criticize Trump for this reason. He then meets with Kim Jong-un and I think, you know what? Good thing. So naturally, you are going to see the establishment, neolib, whatever you want to call it, left, attacking Trump over this and supporting their weird narrative. I want to make, I want to point out uh, one thing here. Cenk Uger of the Young Turks And I'll give him respect for saying this. He said, if Donald Trump keeps us out of war with Iran and doesn't end democracy before he leaves office, you didn't need that, then he will have been a better president than George W. Bush. 
And of course, people got mad at Jenk for saying this. But you know what? I don't care about your opinion on Bush. I appreciate Jenk you were coming out and saying if Trump can keep out of war, he's better than someone else. Like it's, it's, it is, look, Jenk doesn't like Trump. And if this is as close as he, as he gets to supporting the president's anti-war efforts, then I'll give him respect. Respect to Jenk for saying this because I don't expect him to ever come out and support the president on anything, even if it's a good thing. Like I'll criticize Trump. I mostly criticize the war things he's done, the foreign policy. But if Trump does right by, uh, you know, uh, anti-war measures and domestic policy, then he deserves the credit. Now, now I want to end with something that I find really interesting. Andrew Yang, he tweeted earlier today, anything that improves the political climate on the Korean peninsula and engages North Korea on its nuclear program is a good thing. Bravo. And this is why I hope you understand I would support Andrew Yang or Tulsi Gabbard. Yang has policy positions I disagree with. I'm not a big fan of his UBI thing for the most part, but I appreciate the conversation. Tulsi Gabbard wants to increase the minimum wage by, uh, to $15. I don't agree with that either. But she is staunchly anti-war and that is her, her primary goal. And that's the conversation I think we need to be having because it's fallen to the wayside as the culture war has elevated. But I see something interesting here. The ties between the culture war and the anti-war stuff, the censorship, primarily affecting anti-war activists on the left and conservatives who support Trump, of which there are way more than the anti-war leftists. The left has been sort of, I guess, kind of like taken over by a culture war identitarian left that blindly just supports the war if it means they're attacking Trump. Whereas Trump's base are going to say, well, you know what? I'll support Trump in this endeavor. And the anti-war left who still hates Trump will still give him the praise when he, when he does the right thing in terms of war. They'll still criticize him and his administration for other things they've done in terms of foreign policy. Fine. But you can see someone like Andrew Yang speaking on principle, reaching across the aisle, speaking you know, to Ben Shapiro and, and Dave Rubin, and really trying to have an honest conversation and saying straight up something I completely agree with. Anything that improves the political climate is a good thing. And I will give Trump support in any effort to try and do the right thing. The left will criticize him. They'll say, oh, he's praising a murderer. Oh, he's running defense for them. Oh, it's just a PR stunt. That doesn't help. That just makes things worse. Someone responded saying, this ain't it. Someone said, I would agree, Andrew, but I can't help that's giving him credit for lessening the tensions that he himself has created. No, he didn't. He's the first president to cross into the DMZ. Historical. Amazing. Other presidents who who tried de-escalating have never come this far. Trump's, I, I think what we're seeing with Trump is initially he was very hard on North Korea, a big ask. Then he walks it back and it gives him a chance to actually stand inside North Korea. Someone said, libs don't think so. They want war with North Korea so Trump doesn't succeed. I agree. I've seen a lot of this rhetoric. Look, if you search for the Otto Warmbier stuff, people are saying this. How dare Trump? He's not doing right. It's like, what do you want? War? Seriously, it's, it's, it's terrifying if you were to ask me. Someone responded, um, thanks for not bashing Trump just to bash him. This was a good thing. If it was Obama, the media and Dems would be drooling. This one says, disagree. Dictators torture, Andrew. Obama in 2007 said that if elected, he would be willing to meet with the leaders of North Korea and Iran, and the left praised him for it. Obama never followed through. Trump has met with Kim and is now even willing to meet with Iran's leaders, and the left criticize him for it. Yep. I read an article. I was reading this article from the American Conservative the other day, and I think this probably can, can explain to conservatives why I would support Tulsi Gabbard because I kind of am a one issue voter. When it comes to domestic policy, I'm kind of like, I don't really know, 
But I can tell you this, the death penalty I think is wrong and bombing, you know, military age young men and causing what the CIA calls blowback, foreign wars, all of this stuff is just morally wrong. It cannot be justified. It can't. Killing people, ending life philosophically and within my core and spiritually, I can never justify. It's just where my line is. When it comes to issues of domestic policy, well, we're talking about the opinions of, of which policy would be better. And we're talking about whether or not this would be better for America or this would be better for America. It's hard to know what's, what's, what's the right thing to do. But no one in America is, is, is ta- arguing over policy of ending someone's life, except when it comes to war. So when these people are, are seemingly sabotaging Trump's effort at peace, I have to wonder where their moral compass has gone. I think you get it. Tulsi Gabbard, to me, is, has, has the, the, the main policy position that I think needs to be heard. No more foreign wars. Bring back our troops. That's a very America first position to hold. And it's interesting at how, how different her policies are from Trump's. But as long as both of them are going to be anti-war, well, then I'm going to give them support. Trump, I trust less, admittedly. He's done some stuff in foreign policy that I think is wrong and should be called out. Tulsi, a major, I believe, in the National Guard, uh, speaking uh, in opposition to war, will have my support. And it looks like she has conservatives who have her back as well. And you can read this from the American conservative and you'll kind of get it. Domestically, you know, I disagree with a lot of her, a lot of her policies, you know. I want to I throw one more, uh, one more point here. It's kind of a deviation, but I think it's interesting. Andrew Yang is sort of noticing, noticing what's happening when you try to engage in honest and rational debate. First, we had this one where he says, hey, Trump's doing something good. Hey, right. And people criticized him. He also tweeted, I've noticed that conservatives often follow liberals on Twitter, Twitter but the reverse does not seem to be true. And then people say, oh, because the far right, all this and that. It's like, you can really see that he made a point. If the liberals don't follow conservatives, they're not going to understand conservatives aren't all evil, far right, whatevers. They're just like of slightly different opinions. But Yang noticed. We also have this. He says, getting judged or attacked for things you said or did 20 years ago seems terrible. Guess it's a good thing I was a nobody 20 years ago. Heck, I was nobody six months ago. Once again, Yang noticing the hypocrisy that we primarily see in the culture war and cancel culture. So I think these are good examples of why, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of Yang and Gabbard, though they're not perfect. The main point I want to have for this video as we wrap up is that Donald Trump has made history. He's, he's taken, uh, it was a great risk to himself to cross over onto the, on, on, onto the North Korean side. But I think he knew that this was the right thing to do, and it will help bring about peace and trust. The first steps, hopefully in a, in, in a long uh, journey, towards a thousand mile uh, trip to peace, right? They say a a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single footstep. Well, it looks like Trump made 18 footsteps. Hopefully there will be more. And I really do hope that one day there will be complete peace on the peninsula, formal peace, open borders, normalized relations. And then I will get to visit Heiju, the town in which my, you know, ancestors, my great, I believe my great grandfather, had come from. It may have been my great grandmother, but I, but I believe it was, uh, my mom says she thinks it was my great grandfather. I'd love to see the city. I'd love to see, it's not that very, it's not very big, but I'd love to check it out. Seeing Seoul was, was, was awesome. I don't really know where my father's side came from in Europe, but I did go to Germany. Uh, I'm uh, German, Irish, and Korean for the most part, but I've been to Dallas where my dad's family actually came from in past generations. And I've met my great, uh, my, my great grandmother, on my dad's side. The same isn't true for on my mother's side. So if Trump can bring about peace, it would affect me personally. And I look forward to seeing that. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, Stick around. More videos to come. You can follow me on Minds at TimCast. The next videos will be at YouTube.com slash TimCastNews starting at 6 p.m. 
and I will see you all then. Journalist Andy No, for most of you, uh, most of you are probably aware, he was brutally beaten yesterday by Antifa. What, what, uh, what you may not know is that this was premeditated. For a while now, he's been receiving threats, death threats, etc. He's tweeted about them. So naturally, they targeted him. They attacked him several times. He's in the hospital right now, and it's being reported by several people, including, I believe, a lawyer, lawyer who may be representing him, that he's suffering from a brain hemorrhage. This is a pretty serious attack. A lot of people don't understand that a single punch to the head can be lethal. It can be lethal. And especially when you get head trauma that results in a brain bleed. So, so we're, we're, we're lucky right now. This is all we're seeing. What you see on the screen is an image uh, after he was attacked. Andy Ngo shot a live stream of himself explaining what had happened. Video emerged of a, a mob just piling on him, throwing the things at him. Now, here's where it gets crazier. Portland police are reporting the milkshakes. May, uh, they, they, believe, they said they received information that the milkshakes were laced with quick drying cement. Okay. Most people don't know this. Quick drying cement is a caustic substance. There was a video a long time ago that was, uh, it was like a news story on Reddit. Some kid put his hands in cement thinking it would be funny and he burned his skin off. What people don't seem to realize is that quick drying cement has an exo, uh, uh, creates an exothermic reaction. Not only is it hot, but it's also alkaline. It's got a very high pH. It can cause chemical burns and, and actual heat burns. I wonder why Antifa would be putting quick drying cement in their milkshakes. I said uh, on Twitter, this is particularly nefarious because a small amount would go unnoticed. And uh, the first thing you do when you search concrete or cement burns, they warn you small amounts can be dangerous because they seep into your boots, they get in your clothes, and you don't notice the burns until it's too late. It's like boiling frogs. The burn is slow and gradual, not enough to shock the system. And then when you take your, your, you know, your shirt off, your boot off, you've got chemical burns. Now, look, when the, uh, I, I don't take the police at their word, right? And the police tweeted that they received information. There's quick drying cement in the milkshakes. I have no reason to believe there's a grand conspiracy involving the police to lie and frame Antifa. It sounds like something Antifa would do. Regardless, even outside of the cement, a bunch of people surrounded and beat Andy Ngo. Now, a lot of people on Twitter talking about this are highlighting uh, very, very important issues. The first thing I want to say is that Andy has raised at this point, um, it was Michelle Malkin, I believe, put up a GoFundMe. He's raised over $75,000. Good. So, so to everybody who's donated, you guys rock. Awesome. Some people have pointed out, and, and, and we'll get more into this, that this is the greatest thing for his career, particularly... Charlotte Clymer saying, uh, this is the greatest thing that could have happened to his career. You know it. I know it. He knows it. We all know it. The only reason that this could be good for his career is because people who oppose you militant psychopaths will support him and defend him and make sure that you will not win. When you beat journalists, we will make sure those journalists voice that, that, that journalists voice is louder because you will not silence them. It's just a Streisand effect. No, it's not good for someone's career that they're in the hospital overnight with a brain bleed. Okay, the only good that comes of this is when I and others highlight the issue, you know, and then explain what's happening and give Andy an opportunity to explain what happened and why it happened. That's why it's good for his career, because people come to his defense. But these people on the left, you know, what's, what's really crazy here is, listen, another thing I tweeted, there are two insane groups of people, okay? The fringe far-right weirdos who want their ethnostate nonsense, 
who, who, who are violent. Look, you can hold not nasty opinions. I don't care. You know, if you're a communist, a full-on communist, as long as you're not violent, as long as you just want to sit around, you know, talking to people and, and arguing for your ideas, you're welcome to do so. Even the, even the crazy weirdos on the right, be a crazy weirdo. I'm not talking about the crazy weirdos with weird opinions. I'm talking about the violent crazies. But guess what? The right, the violent crazy ones, they're few and far between and everyone hates them. Here's the difference with Antifa. They get defended in the press relentlessly. I've watched in 2016, I watched an elderly couple be shoved to the ground, their hats ripped off their head and set on fire. And I said, hey, what's up with this? There was a man walking down the street and someone bashed him in the back of the head with some a bag full of, I don't know what was in it. They said it was a bag of rocks. I don't know if that's true, but it left his ear all bloody. Where was the press? I got invited to Fox News on that day. What do we see later? We see Chris Cuomo, Don Lemon. Uh, we see these people on CNN saying, oh, but you know, they're, they're fighting against bigotry. It's like, dude, they're crazy psychopaths wearing all black, throwing bricks through windows and beating people. You know, it's really funny is there people who are like, Tim, why are you calling out Antifa? You've changed. Google search my name in 2012 and you will find me making the exact same statement today that I made during Occupy Wall Street, that the violent psychopaths are disruptive and dangerous. I said it in no uncertain terms, and I say it again today. And this is what you get. A lot of people are highlighting Andy's um, identities. I have done this as well. I did it on Instagram. And I'll tell you why. I don't like identity politics in the sense that it's... it's I, I, I'll say this. Identity politics is a broad term that can be a good thing. What I don't like is identitarianism, policy based on identity. If the left goes around claiming they're fighting bigotry, and then a horde of white progressives beat the crap out of a gay Asian American journalist, how is that upholding their values? It's not. They're lying. I believe in real social justice. I do. I've made documentaries about it. I've made documentaries about refugees. And when these insane psychopaths, who all happen to be white males, talk about how white people are all bad, but then beat minorities, you have to wonder what their priorities really are. And you know what? We, we all know this. You know, uh, the people on YouTube are pushing back against the media. We know this. Where is the media? Where is mainstream media? I'll tell you where they are. Defending Antifa. You know, it's really, really funny. Let me see if I have the, uh, the right tweet here. Steven Crowder tweets, Antifa attacks uh, through the eyes of leftist MSM, he says. <clears throat> Journalist who was threatened but bravely covered an event anyway and was then attacked and hospitalized with a brain bleed, Snowflake. Mobs of cowards who brutally assaulted him, heroes. This is a tweet from Christopher Mathias. Christopher Mathias was linked to Antifa in a report by a guy named Ewan Lenahan. You now have people like Mike Stutchberry who openly and gleefully mocked Andy Ngo, who was violently attacked, potentially with, with a caustic chemical, who was put in the hospital with a brain bleed. Mike Stutchberry claiming it's a, it's a fictitious report. You have Christopher Mathias, who was connected to Antifa in this report, mocking Andy Ngo after he was attacked. Now, this was the first or second time. I'm not sure when this, this was. This wasn't the, the violent assault. Christopher Mathias deleted the tweet. That's my understanding. I could be wrong. But I checked the archive. Sure enough, his tweet is gone. The archive still exists. And I screenshotted it similar to this. He said, milkshakes have the special power of revealing how fascists and their enablers are giant effing snowflakes. Really interesting, Huffington Post, that you cheered, you, you mocked this individual who is now in the hospital with a brain hemorrhage. Will the Huffington Post issue a statement or an apology? No. And this is the big problem with politics today. 
They say, Tim, you only talk about the left. Yeah, sure. Show me, show me the right wing outlet that's defending uh, neo-Nazis violently beating people. I I'm waiting. Oh, you mean the fringe wacko websites that we know exist anyway? I don't care about those. They're not mainstream. You mean the Huffington Post has a staff member who's verified, who celebrated and mocked somebody who was attacked, potentially with a caustic chemical, and then was then later beaten? Yes, you cheer this on. That's what they do. And that's why it's so disconcerting to see the mainstream media celebrate this. Absolutely insane. Remember this tweet from Chris Cuomo? Let's not forget a picture of World War II. And I love this photo for several reasons. World War II uh, uh, storming the, the beaches of Normandy. I believe that's what the photo is. Anti-fascist disrupting large gathering of white supremacists. During World War II, okay, in that era, miscegenation was illegal. You, you, you insane people. Okay, this is so insane. My grandfather, who was a World War II vet, married a woman he was not legally allowed to be with, and they had to hide it. Okay, so when you want to show a bunch of people from 100 years ago, back in the era of segregation and anti-miscegenation laws, what are you talking about? Now, look, I have nothing but respect for the World War II veterans. I understand times change, and our culture was very different. And this photo is the best of who we were. But I recognize it's not a good example of Antifa, Unless you really want to claim that people from back in the World War II era, era when the country was like 90% white and you weren't allowed to cohabit, cohabitate with people of a different race, you, you think that was a good time. And those, listen, the, the reason I'm bringing this up, this is a Freedom Tunes cartoon where uh, uh, Seamus makes this point. A bunch of SJW Antifa types bring a bunch of World War II soldiers to the future, and then they realize that these people <laughs> hold pretty, pretty uh, uh, culturally insensitive views, I'll say, say, to say the least. Our society has evolved for the better since then, and I can respect that. I have nothing but uh, uh, um, so, like uh, uh, admiration for those uh, World War II vets, my grandfather included, and some, and a lot of them are, are, you know, were not bigoted, racist, or whatever. But it was a different time. I understand that. And so I still think they did things that were good, fighting against the Nazis, but to act like they are in any way like Antifa today. Actually, I take that back. Antifa is a bunch of racists, so that's not surprising. So let's take a look at some, some other things that I think are important here. I'm going to refresh this page. This is a GoFundMe that was put up, I mean, what, less than like around 12 hours ago, or maybe like 15 hours ago? $74,159 of a 50000 goal. Congratulations, you beat Andy Ngo, who was walking around taking pictures, and you paid his salary for a year. I'm sure, I'm, I'm, I'm sure now, like, like Charlotte said, it'll be great for his career, but only because we will have his back because you people have lost your goddamn minds. Let's refresh this and see where we're at now. It's probably not going to go up that much, if at all. I just opened it. $76,259. It's going up fast. Good. I'm glad it is. We're doing an event in, on August 31st in uh, the, the Philadelphia area. Andy will be a special guest. I'm hoping we can have him on a panel speaking about violence and, and the threats pointed in his direction. And it's really important for a few reasons. Andy Nyo, is my, my understanding, is, is gay. I don't, I don't know too much about him, I don't, you know, but people are saying he's a gay Vietnamese-American journalist, which means uh, my, I believe he's the children of immigrants. He is, he's a person of color and he is LGBTQ. And it's Pride Month. Do you think the media is going to rush to the fence of, you know, a, a gay children, a child of immigrant person of color who was attacked? I doubt it. I really do. There's a story from ABC that I pulled up. 
Do they mention that he was in the hospital with a brain bleed? No, they mentioned that he claims he was attacked. Many of the outlets that have reported on it say Andy says he was attacked. There's video of him being beaten. But that's what the media does. So the only reason this was going to be good for him is because moderate individuals and conservatives and even like some uh, some liberals, the good ones that are still active today, are rallying around pushing back against violent extremists. But what do we get? We get a Huffington Post that celebrates this. We get Vox's Carlos Maza, who what, not even not even a month ago said milkshake them all. Congratulations. They were handing out milkshakes. There's a video of a truck where they're pouring milkshakes for people. And then they all started chucking those milkshakes at people. That's exactly why they were handing them out. There have been many arrests. I believe there will be many more. The Portland police said they're, you know, they're investigating. They want people to send them information. And there's a lot of videos and photos of people who don't even hide what they're doing. So long. Actually, I'll, and I'll say one more thing, too. We've got, we've got people in media who are still saying, well, you know, the violence is wrong, but hey, you've got people from the New York Times saying it. Anyone, look, Brian Stelter condemned this. I think it was a bit half-hearted, but I appreciate that he came out and said, this is wrong attacking the messenger. I hope the authorities get to the bottom of this. That's all I ask for. A lot of people are mad that Brian Stelter didn't say journalist. I I really don't care how he frames it. I'm glad that he's calling it out. Jake Tapper called it out. I'm glad there are people at CNN willing to do this. But that means... As much as I'm not a big fan of CNN, I'm very critical of Stelter and others, they still know where the line is, and they're willing to call out the bad. Chris Cuomo made a mistake defending them, so did Don Lemon. But at least there are some people in media, right? Now, here's the thing. Take a look at the people on the left in media who are providing excuses and defending what happened to know in any way, in any way, saying things like, well, you know, this kind of thing comes with the job. Is that a joke? But it really does show you where their, their allegiances are. They, they have to condemn violence because the public won't accept it. But you know they don't want to. Some people are claiming that Andy asked for it. Oh, he's a provocateur. He knows what he's doing. He's antagonizing on purpose, trying to get attacked. Sounds an awful lot like a she asked for it argument. So my response to this was, why don't we just teach Antifa not to hit? Right? They should know better. No, the reality is Antifa is going to hit and they shouldn't. And it it is true that for someone like Andy, who has been receiving these threats for a long time, here's a, a, on June 6th, he posted audio of someone who left a voicemail uh, for him, getting all of these spam phone calls because somebody apparently doxed him. So he knew it was possible. He did. But that, that, that doesn't mean he shouldn't do his job. And it doesn't mean it's his fault. And so I think it's a really great point to bring up you can't teach Antifa not to hit. They're just going to do it. And when they do, we will call them out because they're monsters. They're psychopaths with, de- with delusions of grandeur who think they're actually fighting Nazis. But what are they really fighting? A gay Vietnamese journalist who, my understanding, is like five foot five. Oh, congratulations. This man was walking around your town with his cell phone. And that warranted beating the crap out of him and giving him a brain bleed. So I pulled this up, too, just because I want to uh, highlight WebMD. Brain hemorrhage. It's a type of stroke. It's caused by an artery in the brain bursting and causing localized bleeding in the surrounding tissues. It could result in a hematoma. They say what causes bleeding in the brain? Head trauma is the most uh, common cause of bleeding in the brain for those younger than age 50. So I hope it's not serious. 
But with head injuries, especially head trauma, there could be long lasting uh, uh, um, problems that Andy might face. And so I, I wish him the best. I'm grateful that people are willing to support uh, a journalist who has been attacked. Look, I, I've been critical of some of the things Andy's written in the past. I, I For the most part, it's not like I, I track everything he does, but I'm critical of even people like, you know, I've, I've criticized Dave Rubin, I've criticized Sargon because we're adults and that's what makes the conversation robust. You know, I did a whole video where I talked with Dave about some of the criticism around him. I'm not an expert on why people don't like Dave, but I've, but I've openly talked with, you know, several people and I, and I, I often say, Everyone could do with a pie in the face, metaphorically, in the, in, in the sense that, you know, someone arguing against us and highlighting our flaws so we can improve ourselves. Not this. This is ridiculous. The point I'm trying to make is, by all means, criticize Andy. And there are people who engage in honest conversations with him who criticize him. And we all get along at the end of the day. That's like most of us disagree on a ton of things. Whatever this moderate, rational group of people is from left to right, I, I don't know peripheral to like the uh, intellectual dark webs, the, 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 you know, the, the IDW periphery. There are many people who are willing to, to engage in good faith conversation, even when they disagree. Andy is one of these people. I personally disagree with some of his stuff, but that's fine. But he was attacked violently. So I'm glad people are willing to support him. And I hope his medical bills aren't going to be that high. I hope this is enough money. You have to understand $76,000 right now sounds like a lot of money. It is. It is a lot of money. But what happens if Andy has to have follow-ups every few months because of a recurring uh, a head, head, a head injury, a chronic, a chronic you know, illness resulted from head trauma? It's possible. I know people who have to keep going to the hospital because of head injuries. They get headaches all the time and it becomes very, very expensive. This might not be enough money. I don't know. Hopefully he's completely fine. Here's what, here's what I hope. I hope he's completely fine. I hope that within a couple of weeks, he's back at 100% and he's got some cash to help him just be comfortable because he deserves it. He was brave enough to go out when they hated him. But what did he ever do? Criticize them. That's what he did. Has Andy ever attacked him? No. They'll lie and claim he did, though, because they're insane. But um, I do have one more thing I want to highlight because I don't want to make this video super, super long. Ian Miles Chong. Rose City Antifa, the group of anarchist militants responsible for organizing Saturday's protest in Portland, where Andy was assaulted, has posts celebrating his attack and another begging for cash to pay for the bail money for the people who were arrested for violence. Rose City Antifa is a branded cell, okay? I've talked about branded Antifa cells before. A lot of people try to argue, you can't ban Antifa from Twitter because it's just an, it's just an idea. No, they are branded cells. They have their own merchandise. You can buy their special little flower symbol t-shirts. Well, I don't know if you can actually buy them, but they wear them. And they organize these protests. Twitter could, but doesn't. Oh, but they ba- they banned the Proud Boys. Fine, I don't care. Ban the Proud Boys. Ban them too. Now, look. In the end, I don't want anybody banned. I don't want the Proud Boys banned. I don't want Antifa banned. And I, and in fact, I'm actually glad Antifa wasn't banned because now you can see who they are. You can see that they celebrate. They've posted this this photo of Gritty celebrating the attack on a gay journalist. Very progressive. A gay person of color was attacked. Very progressive. I don't think it matters that Andy is gay or a person of color or his political beliefs. None of that matters. I only highlight it to point out the hypocrisy to us. Some people have said it's pointless to do so because you know they don't care about hypocrisy. You're right. They absolutely don't. They shout racial slurs. They're white males. (laughs) They don't care. But I'll tell you who does care. Regular people who are being lied to left and right by the media. When CNN goes on TV and says, well, look, they are fighting fascists. Are they now? Is beating a gay person of color 
of fighting fascism? Sounds like fascism to me. I get it. Antifa aren't nationalists, so they're not authoritarian, but they, uh, I'm sorry, so they're not fascist, but they are authoritarian and they're extremely violent, plain and simple. So listen, we don't have to point out Andy's identities. We can leave that where it lies, but it is important to show the hypocrisy to people who don't know what's happening because you have a willful, uh, complicit media in the Huffington Post, in Vox, and even in CNN to a certain degree. I will absolutely sh- throw some respect to Brian Stelter and Jake Tapper, who have called this out. I think Brian Stelter could do a little bit more. I doubt he'll run a segment on it, but you know what? We got a tweet from him. I'm happy. I am. I encourage good behavior. I don't discourage good behavior. So I, pre- I would appreciate it if Brian did a little bit more and talked about the attack on journalists and the threat Antifa poses. And I want to say this. Journalists know that Antifa is dangerous. They know full well. They do trainings talking about the danger of being in protests. I'm certified by this, this international security agency. It's very expensive training. These companies make you go through. And they tell you straight up, you are more, so, so and this is hilarious, you are more likely to have your equipment destroyed and to be assaulted by the protesters than you are the police. We still see these leftist, you know, uh, NGO, nonprofit journalist type saying the police are more dangerous. No, they're not. If you, police have to be accountable. They're not always, but the public pressures them and it puts them in a, in a bad position. So often, yes, police are restrained. I think there's a lot of circumstances where police do things that are bad and wrong and they aren't held accountable. There's a video from Occupy uh, uh, Oakland where a cop lobs a flashbang grenade at a crowd of people trying to pull someone out who was, who was hit in the head with some kind of tear, with a tear gas canister. I believe it was Scott Olson. Yeah, those cops did bad things. Those things, those, those bad things happen. How often do we see police at riots breaking, you know, like really committing egregious acts? It happens. It does. And it's, and it's common enough to where it's alarming. How often do we see Antifa, black bloc anarchists, violent leftists committing extremist acts at protests, basically all the time, smashing windows, breaking cameras. And they tell you during the trainings at Occupy Wall Street, the direct action, someone said, don't break their camera. It could pay your rent. And that's a common theme I've heard in some form or another. They've posted it online. They threaten people. They used to just rip your lens off, shatter your camera. And the journalists all know it. We've got videos of journalists being attacked. Even at one point, Vox did run a story about Antifa attacking journalists, surprisingly. But now what they do is they want to steal your gear. So yeah, when you're in a protest, you're more likely to be attacked by a protester than a cop, plain and simple. I've been on the ground at these riots and I've been criticized heavily for being too close to the police. Some people are like, why won't Tim go where the protesters are? Yeah, a lot of the time I'm where the protesters are. I used to, I'm not going to go out anymore. You know, my, my, my business model has changed and now I'm actually hiring people to do more. It's complicated. But I've also stood next to and behind police and they don't attack you. You stand in a crowd of Antifa and you get the Andy no treatment, plain and simple. So yeah, Antifa is more dangerous. These people are insane psychopaths with delusions of grandeur who think they're fighting in some law resistance. But the, but the reality is they tend to be upper class white people who hate white people for some reason, and they're bored. So they're LARPing. Andy Ngo is as far from a Nazi as you could probably get. I mean, the dude's gay for Christ's sake. But these people are genuinely thinking like, but he's a Nazi. <laughs> yeah, you're insane. You are insane. These people have no purpose. They're bored. And so they've created a fantasy world where they run around attacking people like a gay, they beat a gay person of color and then claim they're fighting to defend them. Man, you got, you got brain problems. 
plain and simple. I don't want to make this super long. I'm going to leave it there. Stick around. More videos coming. The next video will be at 1 p.m. You may have noticed I'm in the van. The power is out. <laughs> so um, one of the one of the great things about building this van is that the power was out following a storm and I am able to continue working because I have my own independent power source. Isn't that fun? Stick around. Next video will be at 1 p.m. on this channel and I will see you all. I will see you all in the next segment. On Bill Maher the other night, they referred to Marion Williamson as the crazy hippie lady. And I think that is an accurate assessment. We have this story from the Daily Wire. Republicans donate money to keep Marianne Williamson on the debate stage. And I'm going to say it right up straight away. I saw this story and I thought about it. And I donated to Marianne Williamson, um, Marianne Williamson too, because I, I, I personally do want to stay on the debate stage. It's not a troll when I say it. I think she's like this lovey-dovey, wholesome like personality that brings kind of, a, I don't know, some kind of exciting weirdness to politics. I enjoy it greatly, but I want to say this because I've, I've given this warning many times. Uh, be careful who you meme, lest you meme them to the presidency. There, there were a lot of people that just thought it would be funny if Donald Trump won. And so they memed, but those memed joined, joined a chorus of support for the president and helped substantially inflate his, uh, his reach, essentially his marketing. So I want to read a little bit of this, and then I actually have a story that says, ignore Marion Williamson at your peril. I agree. Think about this. Everyone's laughing at her. All right, she's a lot of supporters. She made it to the debates. Everyone's bringing up these old tweets from her, which I'm going to show you because they're, they're incredible and just crazy hippie stuff. I love it. Uh, I don't believe it. I think it's silly. But listen, everyone, like, they laughed at Trump all day and night. And I, I said, you could, you could really make someone powerful by laughing because people want to have a good time. They want to join in the fun. They want to join the memes and they will push her forward. They will. Now I'll say this. I donated to her because I think she brings a certain kind of wholesome positivity to the debates. And it's just so different. I like different. I want to see different. And I want to see her speak up and actually put pressure on some of these other Democrats who are going to give you that garbage PR statement and, and speak nonsense, right? There's more to the story, though. Apparently, Marianne Williamson, who is an outsider, was not a politician, says that at points her mic was also not on, that she tried speaking up and they cut her out. I believe that's true. I believe they are, they are cutting her and Yang and others out because they're the outsiders and we know who they want to be president. Like, it, it's very obvious they're propping up Kamala Harris. So let's read through the story. Before we get started, head over to timcast.com slash donate if you want to support my work. There's a PayPal option, a crypto option, a physical address. But of course, YouTube doesn't suggest my videos. Uh, it's like a 90% reduction in suggestions. So if you like the content, then please consider sharing the content. But let's get to the news. She is a gift and she is going to be the gift that keeps on giving. Republicans have to give a little bit from the Daily Wire. The gift is Marion Williamson, the quirky self-help guru who wandered out of a self-realization fellowship temple somewhere in Beverly Hills and onto the Democratic Party debate stage on Thursday night. According to USA Today, Republicans fell so head over heels for her girlfriend you are so on moment that they have now donated funds to her campaign just so they can get another dose of it in future debates. Author Marion Williamson's quirky love conquers all approach on the Democratic debate stage Thursday drew applause, ridicule, and confusion, the outlet reported. On Friday, she was attracting donations from Republicans. This is the spice of life. 
Marion Williamson. I, I, and I really mean this in a positive way. I, I have tremendous respect for her getting up there and saying what she wants. And it's just like, I don't really know how to, to explain the feeling I get when I watch her. It makes me laugh, but not at her. Like along with her, it's not a disrespectful, like laughing at what she's saying. It's just a kind of exciting, wholesome, I'm glad she's there kind of vibe. It's really weird. And Republicans seem to agree. Sparking off this trend on Friday was GOP strategist Jeff Rowe, former presidential campaign manager to Senator Ted Cruz, who asked his followers to donate what they could to keep Marion Williamson in the running. Please calling on all Republicans to go to her website and donate $1 to keep this vibrant Democrat on the debate stage. One debate performance is not enough. Though Rose tweet had its share of hecklers, some people were more than willing to oblige. Did my part. I just gave Marion a dollar. I already donated one dollar to every candidate. I wanted all of them on the stage to make it a S show. Seems to be working. I donated one dollar, etc. I think there are a lot of people that want her on the debate stage because she's a disruptive force among the establishment Democrats. Sure, fine. That's not why I'm doing it. I'm doing it because, you know, like honestly, even among the videos I make, the video I made before this is horrible. Andy No getting attacked. And it seems like everything always has some weird negative bent. The, the, the video, the segment I'm doing in the next, uh, uh, at 4 p.m. is about Trump making history in the Korean Peninsula. So you have all of this really good news that's marred by negativity. And now you have people who are like, I guess it's kind of to sabotage the Democrats. They want to prop up Marion Williamson. I just like the stuff she's saying about love and like letting light shine through you and God and all that stuff. And I'm like, you know what? We could use some hippie crystal positivity up on that stage. Seriously, in politics in general. Whether you think it's silly or not, what she's saying will have an impact on future political discourse. In fact, I think Trump created her, you know, where she is now. He created the circumstance. Trump changed the game, the way he spoke, the con- like the way, the way he debated, how he insults people and, and, and calls them names. And it paves the way for a quirky self-help guru who's talking about crystals and whatever nonsense to be on that stage. And even Republicans are now supporting it, which is, I find hilarious. This guy says, uh, Chris Degall, the woman is ridiculous. I want her to stay, right? That's how I feel. And I'm not saying to be mean to her. I actually respect her for going up there and saying these things, but I love it. I love, I love absurdity. I love just this, like, it's, it's like a pie in the face for the Democrats. You know what I mean? To have this reflection against what they're doing. Jeff Rowe, please calling on, uh, oh, he responded to the tweet about her being ridiculous. So uh, they basically go on. I think that's the point they made. They say that she rose to prominence in the early 90s, I guess, on the Oprah Winfrey show. But I want to do something. I want to do this. I did mention this already. She says her mic was also not on. I, th- I think that's fair to point out. She's, uh, um, you know, I-, I-, I already addressed it, but, she's- but her tweet said, as much fun as I've had laughing at all the understandable, hilarious tweets about me today, the mic issue is not funny. And yes, it did happen. I tried a couple of times to jump in and my mic was not on, particularly wanted in on the subject of race. NBC wants to claim they're not cheating. Sorry, you've now got two people saying it. We've got tons of evidence. Over here at the AV Club, though, they have highlighted many of the tweets that have since been going viral, which I want to read. People are, uh, this person said, Marion Williamson has real Janet snakehole energy, whatever. I don't know what that is. But a lot of people were pointing out how crazy and absurd it is. So AV Club writes, truly, though, there's perhaps no greater means of understanding Williamson than a deep dive into her own Twitter account which has been the home of some truly strange musings since the social media juggernaut's early days. Below, we've compiled a sampling. Uh, So let's just read some. Let's begin with some nice thoughts. 
tweets that, while silly on the surface, at least contain, contain some level of soul-warming loveliness. He says, this is what I'm talking about. She's, uh, Marianne tweeted, a gray sky is actually a blue sky covered up by gray clouds. A guilty person is actually an innocent soul covered up by mistaken behavior. It's just like, well, okay, I, I get what you're kind of saying. She tweeted, when you're missing someone, no, it just means that on a soul, on a soul level, they've come to visit. What? I don't know what that is. She tweets, everyone feels on some level like an alien in this world because we are. We come from another realm of consciousness and long for home. I, I don't know what that means. There, uh, things are getting weirder now. Williams, Williamson's particular brand of self-help is consumed by visions of light, water, and clouds. Maybe this inspires you. No shame. She said, you're not the water. You're the faucet. You're not the electricity. You're the lamp. You're not the light. You're the torch bearer. Turn on the faucet, turn on the lamp, hold high the torch, and God will do the rest. Here's another one. Your mind is like an airplane, and you are the pilot. Rise above the clouds, fly above the turbulence, seek a smoother ride. Here's, here's the one about the lamps. You're a lamp. God is the electricity. You're a faucet. God is the water. You're human. God is the divine within you. Allow the flow. You're probably starting to grasp that she's into God. Yeah, she's really into God. She says, you come from an infinite field of love, the mind of God entering into regions of fear in order to transform them with the love you bring. Okay. Okay. We get it. There's a lot of these, but there's a viral tweet where somebody was like, I, I talked about this the other day. They said, step one, I can't believe Marion Williamson is on the debate stage. Step two. Wow. She stuck around longer than I thought. And then it's like, I don't know what the third point was, but step four was I have reservations about president Williamson's crystal tariffs, uh, which is funny, but here's the thing. Silly as it may be, the LA Times writes this, ignore Marion Williamson at your peril. Thank the goddess Marion Williamson is running for president because if Kamala Harris brought the fire, Williamson provided the Zen. The 66-year-old best-selling author of a dozen spiritually based self-help guides, a longtime Oprah friend, and Gwyneth Paltrow inspiration promised to be the evening's wild card. And despite the very best efforts of the moderators who took almost 30 minutes to ask her a question, she did not disappoint. I'm not going to read through the whole thing. I'm going to wrap up because I think you get the point. But they say, in many ways, Williamson is the left's answer to Trump, an outlier candidate who celebrates her lack of political acumen with the language of popular culture and believes at some level that feelings are the same as facts. Like Trump, she is a crowd pleaser who sees smoke and mirrors as tools of the trade rather than methods of deception, which means we should pay attention to what she is actually saying and who it connects with. Snickering is fun, but as the 2016 election proved, we do it at our own peril. And that's the point I want to stress. Yeah, don't ignore her. You think she's silly. Now, look, so I'll, I'll end by saying I did donate to her because the, the reason I've donated to Tulsi and Yang and now Marianne, uh, Marianne, for the most part, is just to have them on the debate stage. I don't think the establishment will let them win, but I want to hear what they have to say. And I do like what Marion said when she talked about you can't beat Trump with policies, with plans. He's not playing that game. She's right. But I also love her kind of wholesome, lovey-dovey, hippie vibe. I want to see it on the stage. I personally do. In, in all seriousness, I do want to see that on the stage. So I, I, I sent her some bucks and um, nothing but respect. I, I'd love, uh, I want to hear more. Republicans may be doing it as more of a gag or a troll or a disruption. But hey, it is what it is. I'd like to see her there. I'd like to see uh, Yang and, and Gabbard as well. So, so there you have it. Um, Republicans donating to a Democrat for whatever reason, 
Comment below, let me know what you think. Stick around. I've got uh, the next segment will be coming up at 4 p.m. talking about uh, Trump's historical moment. Those on the podcast, it's in it. In uh, you've already heard it. So uh, anyway, stick around. I will see you in the next video. An update to the Andy No situation. As of right now, the GoFundMe Protect Andy No is over $100,000. Now, let me tell you the most surprising thing in all of this. CNN ran a segment condemning the violence. It's a short segment, but, but I, have a, I will say respect to CNN and, and Brian Stelter for coming out and saying, I didn't, I didn't think they were going to do it. I didn't think they would address this. I thought they would just ignore it, but they didn't. It admittedly wasn't a very large segment, but Brian showed the footage and said it's wrong, etc. Good, excellent statement as far as I'm concerned. Now, here's the thing. There are a bunch of leftists in media who are defending the attack on Andy, citing a bunch of ridiculous nonsense, because the truth is they don't have principles, they have tribe. And it doesn't matter if it's right or wrong, it matters if they're the ones doing it. So they'll scream all day and night about how Trump attacks the press, and then they'll literally attack the press and defend it. There's no principle there. They just do whatever they want and then get mad if anyone does something similar. I want to make a few points before we look at all of the silly tweets. We have this, uh, uh, we can see here that Andy has raised over $100,000. Many people are going to be thinking, wow, that's a lot of money. As I stated in the first video this morning, I want to stress, if he has long-term, a long-term injury that requires follow-up treatment, that might not be enough. If he has a permanent injury, that won't be enough. So special thanks to anybody, everybody who stood up for Andy after he was violently attacked the way he was. Eric Weinstein brought up an interesting point in the way he framed the story by saying, quote, a contributor to the Wall Street Journal was attacked on video by Antifa demonstrators where police were backed away. He was hospitalized with suspected brain injury after caustic chemicals were allegedly thrown at his face, disguised by domestic terrorists as milkshakes. Where is the story? I am instead finding scant mention of mainstream media or weirdly unconcerned pros, more like members of groups opposed to fascism clashed with far-right Proud Boys in Portland demonstrations in which a conservative journalist for right-wing website Quillet was injured. That's what I found. I mentioned this earlier, the the, uh, ABC story barely mentioned anything. So you know what? I have this tweet here, and it's an excellent statement from Brian Stelter about the attack on Andy Ngo. It says a lot when CNN is willing to unconditionally condemn the attack and many others in media are offering excuses. We can see here that it wasn't the longest segment, but Stelter did absolutely bring up in Portland, Oregon this weekend. Uh, conservative journalist Andy Ngo was out there covering rival protests on Saturday, Antifa on one side, right-wing figures on the other side. But as the demonstrations clashed, uh, protesters, uh, it appears to be Antifa protesters, uh, then attacked No. Uh, he's been out there in the past. He's been covering protests in Portland for quite some time. Uh, his critics say he's there to, to cause trouble. But that's unacceptable. Uh, the idea that he would be attacked, that he would be uh, bloodied in that way, uh, unacceptable, period. Uh, and it's important uh, that everyone make that clear. Uh, even left-wing critics who don't like him and, and things like that. Well, I will say spot on to that statement from Brian Sutter, which I mentioned earlier, but he brings up a good point that his critics are saying he's there to cause trouble, but that is unacceptable. I completely agree. It doesn't matter what you think his opinions are. It matters that he's out there collecting information and sharing it. That's journalism. Well, let's, uh, let's, let's move on here. Allison Poole tweeted, what I find highly ironic in the Andy No situation is that the left constantly calls Trump a threat to a free press And then they turn around and encourage or excuse beatings of Mr. No because they don't like his reporting or his viewpoint. And they claim that what he's saying is violence. Therefore, it's justified. 
Ashley St. Clair tweets, Portland is the fault of every big tech company who banned people for supporting Trump, but let left Antifa pages up. Portland is the fault of every news outlet who has refused to cover and condemn previous Antifa attacks. Portland is just the beginning if something doesn't change. I've got a bunch of stuff I want to go through here. Jack Posobiec asking, which YouTube channels radicalized the Antifa terrorists? And Joey Salad says the Young Turks. There's another really good point to bring up just in a kind of an update on what's happening. They ran a smear piece called the Alternative Influence Report that smeared people like me and claimed I worked with people I'd never met before in an effort to discredit us and yes, get us hurt. I've received threats. I get death threats all the time. Okay. And I don't bring them up because I don't want to give air to these people. But then someone named Eowyn Lenahan produced a report that was similar. And I said, take it with a grain of salt, but here's what we see. And it claimed that there are many journalists who are aligned or associated in some way with Antifa. Now the left is running around shrieking about how it's fake news and it's a false study. It's not a false study. It's the same. It's actually got data behind it. But the thing is, they're now saying, oh, why weren't you there to condemn the journalist hit list? Journalist hit list. You mean the AIN report that targeted me? It's hypocrisy. But they don't care about hypocrisy. They have no principles. They just want power and they just want to bring about destruction. The New York Times runs a front page story claiming that YouTube is radicalizing people. Well, what about these people? Seriously. Now, you may be asking, are there people on the left defending this on YouTube? The answer is yes. Like H Bomber Guy. H Bomber Guy, I think, makes funny content. I followed him. I've actually recommended him before, uh, him before because he takes a critical approach to conservative content. But he's retweeted numerous people lying about what happened. He's, this person says Andy Ngo was milkshaked in Portland. That's why Antifa is trending. No, Antifa was trending because Andy Ngo had a, br- a brain hemorrhage and was in the hospital. And his, and, and, and his face is all scarred up and he's covered in gunk. And the police said it may have been quick dry, a lace with quick dry cement. Whether or not that's effective or not, they're putting chemicals in the milkshakes. Jack Posobiec pointed out the strategy is blind them by pelting them with milkshakes and then others can beat the crap out of them. And there were people at the rally without wearing masks, pouring milkshakes and laughing and handing them out because they knew what was going to happen. Okay, it's decentralized. But at what point do you say these people all show up knowing what they're doing and what people, oh, there's, we're just handing out milkshakes at a time when people are throwing milkshakes at people, providing cover. This is what, this is what, what, what Antifa is, the black block tactic. It's what they do. The goal is to make it so that you can have deniability. I just gave him a milkshake. I didn't tell him to throw it. And then you can't get in trouble. I was just wearing a hoodie. And so were the other 200 people. So that way, when you beat somebody up, the police can't identify you. That's the plan. An H-bomber guy is helping pu- uh, uh, you know, pass out this nonsense, this, this, this defense of violence. This woman, who's actually a writer for Kotaku, says... I cannot stress how deeply liberal calls for decorum are something that fascists explicitly count on in order to propagate their hate. Could you imagine if the media was loaded with alt-right white nationalists running defense for what happened in something, I don't know, Charlottesville, for instance? It doesn't exist. They, they aren't in media. Conservatives have no problem calling out the alt-right and, and the violence of Charlottesville. But for some reason, left-wing media like Otaku has people like Chris Mathias who mocked and, and laughed about the, the violence against Andy Ngo and then deleted his tweet. And we've got more. John Levine tweets, this didn't age well. And it's Parker Malloy saying, looks like you were attacked by a small family of pigeons after Andy Ngo was uh, attacked the first time, not the violent assault. Then 
Uh, Olivia Nuzzi said, you've never sent a bad tweet. Be above sticking the mob on someone for RT, uh, for retweets. And he said, never this bad. And this is, this is, wow. Olivia Nuzzi tweeting to Milo Yiannopoulos, I love you, but if you keep tweeting about yourself in the third Twitter handle, I'm going to mute you. Woo! Tweeting in favor of Milo, huh? That's pretty bad. Ali Beth uh, Stuckey then replying to uh, Charlotte Clymer. So you're saying he was dot, dot, dot asking for it? Because all of these people in the left who work in media, who are running defense, are saying essentially that, oh, but he knows what's going to happen. He knew what, they w- w- what they're going to do. You know, he, he, he should have expected it. Sure, because there's no principles. But the biggest takeaway that I think everyone needs to, to uh, I think, I think the, the main point everyone needs to take away from this is that when it comes to alt-right violence, the, the, look, there's, there's, it's, it's, it's few, few and far between, but it happens. There's no one in media running defense for them. Sure, there are fringe wackaloon websites, but no one cares about those. There's no mainstream politicians. There's just straight condemnation. But right now, we have Charlotte Clymer, a high-profile figure who I believe works with the HRC. We have a writer from Kotaku. We had a writer from the New York Times. We had a writer from Huffington Post, all running defense for what Antifa did. It's, it, it should be clear as day. And so they say, Tim, why is your content targeting the left? The left's not a big deal. Trump's the president. Uh-huh. Sure. Let me tell you something. When you have fringe wackos who are encouraging violence in the media running defense, I will call them out. I don't care if they're left or right. I don't care for the left or the right. I think you're all insane people. These people running defense. They're nuts. They act like they oppose racism. A Vietnamese journalist is attacked. They act like they're in favor of the, they want to defend uh, the LGBT com- uh, LGBTQ community from violence. Andy Ngo is gay. Where are they now on Pride Month? Nowhere to be found. So you know what? There's, there's your update, I guess. I don't, I don't, you know, there, there, it's, I wanted to add a little bit more because it's an ongoing story and there will likely be more to come. You know, Donald Trump Jr. is tweeting about this. So um, it's going to, it's, it's, it's become a big story. It's become a big trend. But uh, stick around. I'll have more stories coming up in uh, the next few minutes, and I will see you then. So we knew that the media was cheating. Uh, We knew that the Democrats are propping up and pulling down certain people, you know, because they want to, uh, they want their candidates to win. Okay, we know the cheating exists. But when I heard this story, okay, I've actually stewed on it for a little bit because I can't believe it's real. I kid you not. From uh, This is a Gateway Pundit story, which is not rated well by NewsGuard, keep in mind. But it's by Cassandra Fairbanks, who I trust. I know her personally. She's a friend. And she's also a supporter of Tulsi. Seriously, check this out. MSM, Mean Girls, NBC accused of putting a fake pimple on Rep Tulsi Gabbard during Dem debate. I heard this story and I said, no way, dude. That's insane. There's no, nobody live tracked a fake pimple on Tulsi's face. How could this be real? And then TMZ actually covered it. And then Boing Boing wrote about it. Now, one of the only sources I could find for an actual breakdown of the accusation comes from Gateway Pundit, but I do have Boing Boing to back up their, their claim. And I have several videos, but I kid you not, TMZ had on Tulsi Gabbard for what's being called Pimplegate. Are you, What? This would mean, okay, listen, during the debates, when they had a a camera focused on Tulsi, they used a live tracking, live rendering program to put a pimple on her face. It's all possible, but that is so weird. Could there be another explanation for this? I honestly don't know because I don't believe this. I I couldn't believe this actually happened, but uh, but here it is. 
So here's a before and after. And they say it was reported by TMZ. This is incredible. The, uh, uh, team, the team over at NBC appears to have taken their mean girl style disdain for Tulsi Gabbard to new levels by adding a fake blemish to her face on live television. The disappearing pimple was first reported on by TMZ and Rep Gabbard's press assistant tweeted a video and thank you note for them covering it. See, th- th- look at this video. I'm going to play this. Watch the pimple. They're saying watch the pimple. Watch that pimple. So there, for those that are listening, there's a pimple on her face, on, on her chin. And then at some point, well, we're, we're waiting for it. As she talks, it's gone. It's just gone. Here's the crazy thing. They're all wearing makeup. If she had a pimple, they would have put makeup on it. I've been on these shows. They're wearing lots of makeup. Like even the guys are wearing makeup. How could you have a pimple seat? And that the point is to put makeup on to cover the pimples. So, so here's what we have. Check this out from TMZ. TMZ reporting this. It's not, it's not a conspiracy. Well, it is a conspiracy theory, but who knows what the hell's happening. Now you see it. Now you don't. TV camera mystery ensues. So uh, before I read the TMZ story, I'm going to do this. Make sure you go to timcast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. Because admittedly, I'm talking about issues that clearly they don't want me to talk about. There's a monthly PayPal option. There's a crypto option, a physical address. But of course, share the video if you like it, because I no longer get suggested for the most part after YouTube decided to stop suggesting certain videos. So if you think the video is worth watching, then please consider sharing it. They say, uh, they have an update, but I'm going to read, I'm going to read the story they published on, uh, they published before, uh, the update. The TMZ writes, Tulsi Gabbard's at the center of perhaps the most puzzling moment of the democratic debates because a magic act happened on her chin. And the question is, who's the magician? The congresswoman from Hawaii was talking foreign policy during the debate, specifically the possibility of America going to war with Iran. Important stuff, no doubt. However, as Gabbard spoke, many viewers focused on her chin and what appeared to be a tiny zit. Nothing that would require Dr. Pimple Popper or anything, but still, it was there. Then it happened. Seriously, if you haven't seen it, you must. Within a matter of seconds, the blemish simply vanished as Tulsi was talking. Remember, this is on a close-up camera on live television. The important thing is it was tracking with her motion. As she talked, it was tracking. It wasn't something on the camera. It was on her face, moving with her mouth. What? How does that happen? Look, we know this has zero impact on real presidential issues, but it's also kind of hard to ignore when you see it happening clear as day on live TV. By the way, we also combed through a bunch of photos of Gabbard from last night. Check the gallery. And the congresswoman ain't pimping. As in, there's no sign of the mystery zit or whatever it was. We've reached out to NBC, which was responsible for the debate uh, broadcast and also Rep. Gabbard's campaign office. No word back from either, but we're guessing the congresswoman's as baffled as we are. Seriously, folks, where's Zapruder when you need him? So they have an update. I want to read the update, but I want to, I want to point out a few things first. Andrew Yang accused the media... Uh, accused, I guess, NBC or the DNC, whoever, of muting his microphone. Video evidence proves this. You see him talking and no sound comes out. Now, a lot of people have tried pushing. It's a conspiracy theory. Sure, it is. Who did it? Somebody conspired to do it, right? Multiple videos have surfaced from Yang supporters showing that either he's really quiet because other mics are picking him up or that people turn to look at him when he was talking. Thus, in my opinion, I got to say that I'm going to get sued. Proving Andrew Yang was silenced, but here's where it gets crazy. Marion Williamson says the same thing happened to her. When she tried chiming in, her mic was muted. Now she was able to butt in, 
bless her heart, I think because she was being too loud. If Andrew Yang put up a bigger fight, they would have to have restored his microphone. But because he is so mild-mannered and just calmly raises his hand and tries talking, they can play it off like nothing happened. But imagine, and others have brought this up, what would have happened if Trump was on that stage? He'd be like, my microphone isn't working. Oh, hold on, hold on, stop the debate. He'd lean over and be like, excuse me, please, my microphone's not working. I'd like to say something. Trump would assert himself, no problem. And this is one of the biggest challenges for Marianne, for Yang, and even for Gabbard. Let's think about what the point of putting a pimple on her face would be. It's going to distract people. Isn't that crazy? How it was, tra- listen, it's just a blemish, but the, the curious thing is how it was tracking to her face. And yes, it will distract people. They're trying to make her look less appealing. I can't imagine it's real and on purpose, but I can't explain it otherwise. So here's an update. They say, Rep. Gabber joined us on TMZ Live and says the red dot wasn't on her chin at all on Wednesday, and she has no idea what the spot could have been. She's clearly not concerned about it and is ready for the rest of her campaign. So good on her for not playing into the nonsense. But I'll tell you this, the media played dirty. People are yelling outside. I don't know what's going on. People played dirty in the 2016, uh, 2016 campaign against Bernie. Donald Trump was not supposed to win. And I think most will recognize that. The media was so, so down for Hillary. They were saying she was going to win. They were putting all the polls in her favor. And Bernie was being smeared across the board. And we've seen Bernie smeared earlier on. He did a town hall and a bunch of DNC shills were in the audience. And then CNN had to say, oops, oh, we didn't know. So yeah, the machine is rigged. But strangely, it seems like it's only rigged on the Democrat side. Unless Trump was really supposed to be the winner, which I really doubt. When the Republicans were running in this massive field, everyone mocked and belittled Trump, saying he'd never win. But eventually he did. And never Trump or Republicans were shocked and outraged and then went to be, you know, went to CNN to to provide commentary. The, The mainstream Republicans didn't want to get behind Trump. It really does not seem like Trump was supposed to be the nominee or win at all. What happened with the Democrats, though? They rigged it. The primaries were rigged. As far as I'm concerned, they were cheating. Strange things were happening and Bernie loses because Hillary was supposed to be the candidate and she was supposed to win. There was even, and I could be wrong about this, but I remember a leaked email where they claimed they were trying to prop up Trump on purpose as a Pied Piper candidate to screw with the Republicans because they never thought Trump could actually beat Hillary. Well, guess what? He did. Now what's happening? Gabbard actually has real support. Uh, it's about a thunderstorm, by the way, so I don't know what might, what, what, what might happen. But Gabbard has real support. Even conservatives have defended her. It's really, it's really inspiring, and it really does warm my heart. When I see on Twitter conservatives being like, I think her domestic policy is wacky as hell, but she really does have principles, and she's a good person, blah, blah, blah. She's defended free speech. She's, de- she's fought back against, she's uh, criticized the censorship from big tech. She's called out identity politics, and she stood her ground principally on war, and I have tremendous respect for that. And so I think the Democrats and the media will, will pull out all of the stops to shut her down. And it could be something as simple as putting a pimple on her face. Look, you can silence Andrew Yang and Marion Williamson because they are outsider candidates and people aren't listening. But Tulsi Gabbard is a politician. She is in Congress and you will have, you will have a harder time shutting her down. She has supporters, a lot of progressive supporters, and she's been, on, she's, been in the, she's been in politics a lot longer than other people. Shutting her down is going to be a challenge. I don't believe in some grand conspiracy, but I can't explain how something like this happens. 
but I don't trust the Democrats. It's why I don't like the Democrats. It's why I criticize the Democrats, especially the far left Democrats. I, I, and, and you know, I'll say this. I know Gabbard's a bit far left. She is. She's not the farthest left, but you know what? I think she's a good person. She's principled and they're going to cheat her out of this. So I have some videos pulled up, but I want to, I want to highlight this. I think you get the point. I don't want to make this video as long as possible because I do have a bunch of art, other articles I could talk about, but we'll, we'll, I'll stop myself from taking it too long. Boing Boing even wrote about this. Boing Boing is like fairly progressive. Ch- a chin pimple suddenly disappears during presidential debate. This is, look at this photo. That's ridiculous. The reason I'm highlighting this is my final thought on the matter is that, listen, this is not some crazy fringe conspiracy. This actually happened. Like Boing Boing is a verified, by, is verified by NewsGuard. It is a like lefty kind of blog. And there it is. They're cheating. They're going to cheat. We're not going to get what we want in the Democrats. So I don't know what to say, but I'm not surprised people are going to vote for Trump. Because when the Democrats screw you over and screw the people you really believe in, what do you think is going to happen? You're going to get a bunch of people saying Trump, uh, like they're going to say, look, you're going to have Tulsi or bust and you're going to have, you know, never Biden's or, you know, whatever. And if you, if you screw with people and beat them down, they'll vote for Trump in spite of you. Stick around more segments to come and I will see you uh, in a few minutes. Ocasio-Cortez made some really stupid statements about concentration camps on the border. And I say that, but, you know, honestly, it's a big political fight. You've got people on the left saying it's correct and people on the right saying it's not. And I'm just like, you know what, man, I don't care anymore. You guys, you're you're all nuts. Can we just get a real policy, you know, on the table to solve the migrant crisis? Well, what ends up happening whenever you hear these World War II comparisons is the left pulls up Holocaust survivors, then the right pulls up Holocaust survivors. They both contradict each other, and it's just tribal information war nonsense. But I am going to read this story anyway. Just so you know where I stand, that's what the disclaimer is for. Because we have another Holocaust survivor, this time published by the New York Post. Nobel Prize in Stupidity. Holocaust survivor wants AOC out of Congress. This is just from the other day. So they say, Holocaust survivor Ed Mosberg, pictured, wants AOC removed from Congress. So before we read this, because this is assuredly going to be demonetized, go to timcast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There's a monthly uh, monthly PayPal option, a crypto option, and a physical address. And of course, the best thing you can do is just, uh, uh, I lost the article. The best thing you could do, share the video. YouTube no longer suggests my content for the most part. So I rely on you to share it if you think it's worth being shared. By the way, it's also thunderstorming, so I might (laughs) lose power. But let's just read anyway. There are few remaining survivors of concentration camps. Ed Mossberg is one of them. And the 93-year-old from Morris Plains, New Jersey, has no time for Ocasio-Cortez's statements last week when she called the southern border's migrant detention centers concentration camps. She should be removed from Congress. She's spreading anti-Semitism, hatred, and stupidity. Mossberg told the Post. The people on the border aren't forced to be there. They go there on their own will. If someone doesn't know the difference, either they're playing stupid or they just don't care. It's a really good point. Listen, I don't like the conditions at the camps, okay, or the detention centers, whatever you want to call them. I don't. I don't think most people do. I don't think there's anybody sitting there laughing because they're like, ah, kids don't have beds. That's not how the world works. These people on the left and like Ocasio-Cortez live in some weird moralistic I don't know, bubble, where they really think there's a bunch of demons prancing around with pitchforks laughing at the suffering of children. No. 
we are all facing true problems, okay? Some people have it worse than others, and we're trying to solve these problems. Ocasio-Cortez is just being hyperbolic and spouting nonsense, which is making everything worse for everybody. So listen, the solution here, Trump called for it a long time ago, border funding. And the Democrats just refused to engage. The media said it was fake. The Democrats said it was fake. And now you have, because the problems exacerbated, Cortez saying that it's a concentration camp and it's Trump's fault. Well, maybe if you got on board with funding supplies for these, for these centers, we wouldn't be here. But of course, I defer to the Holocaust survivor in terms of their opinion on what truly makes something a concentration camp. And as Ed has said, these people are choosing to come here. The point I made on Twitter was, you have people from the Congo traveling to Angola, flying to Brazil, taking a trip up through South and Central America, then Mexico, to come to our border to what? Line up for a concentration camp? Insanity. Let's read on. On June 18th, the Bronx Queens politician posted a video on Instagram in which he said, the United States is running concentration camps on our southern border, and that is exactly what they are. They are concentration camps. Mossberg, who lost his entire family during the Holocaust and himself survived both the Plazau and Mauthausen camps, said, her statement is evil. It hurts a lot of people. At the concentration camp, we were not free. We were forced there by the Germans who executed and murdered people. There's no way you can compare. On June 21st, the Holocaust education group from the depths of which Mosberg is the president extended an invitation to AOC via Facebook, encouraging her to tour German Nazi concentration camps with Mosberg. He said he hoped to take her to the museum and memorial site at Auschwitz, where his mother was murdered. But when other members of Congress encouraged the freshman representative to take Mossberg up on, his off- on the offer, AOC publicly declined. She tweeted to Iowa Rep. Steve King, the last time you went on this trip, it was reported that you also met with fringe Austrian and neo-Nazi groups to talk shop. So I'm going to have to decline your invite, but thank you for revealing, revealing to all how transparently the far right manipulates these moments for political gain. Look at AOC. I find her to be truly disgusting and reprehensible. And that's shocking because I think Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi are bad as well. But you know what? I basically just don't like any politicians. And that takes a lot for me to say, look, I'm a person of principle. I did praise Ocasio-Cortez in the beginning when she won the primary, but she's shown herself to be a truly despicable person. She has no principles. She targets Steve King. He's easy to knock down. But what about the actual survivor? She ignores him. And that is disgusting. Her statements are disgusting. She's pandering. And we know that I I don't believe she actually believes anything she says. Look at the, the Green New Deal. That breaks my heart. I'm a true environmentalist. I worked for Greenpeace. Okay. Did you know that? I did. And other environmental nonprofits, because I think the environment is important. We live in a delicate ecosystem and it needs help. Okay. And that we can't just do, we can't just pollute. Fisheries are facing, facing collapse. There are dead zones in the ocean. There's plastic waste, regardless of whose fault it is. We got to protect the planet, right? So she comes out with the Green New Deal and what's in it? Socialist identitarian nonsense. So she doesn't really care about the environment. She is just standing on platitudes. She goes to the border. Look at these photos that surface, her fake PR stunt where she's pretending to cry. And then the other photos surface showing what she was really crying about. An empty parking lot. I kid you not. Ocasio-Cortez went to the border to a fence and pretended to cry, in my opinion, pretended to cry. And then when you see the actual photos of what she was looking at, nothing there just an empty road, presumably an empty parking lot. What was she crying about? It was a photo op. 
She went there dressed in all white with a fancy wristwatch and fancy clothes, and in my opinion, pretended to cry to stage a photo op. Now look, there have been, you know, Holocaust survivors who have, who have come on, onto the media and the left has propped them up where they say that Donald Trump, it's like, oh no, it's happening all over again. And they say it's just like World War II Germany. You have this guy and you have other people published in the Daily Caller that are survivors saying, no, how dare you? We were forced. It's not the same thing. It's pointless. You know what? I, I'll put it this way. The only thing I care about is the people who are going to push back on the hyperbole. For the people, you know, so, so look, I, I guess I got to give it to the conservatives on this one. If you're going to bring a Holocaust survivor to say, shut up and calm down, I've, I've got to say that's probably the right answer. The, the, the alarmists on the left and people like Cortez, I think, are a huge disservice. And they're now trying to make it seem like the far right is infiltrating and manipulating politics. Oh, OK. Right. Because how many far, far right uh, Republicans are there? Maybe like one, if you count Steve King. How many far left socialists are there? You and a bunch of your friends who obstructed the border funding, which led us to this crisis or, or contributed to it at the very least. So yeah, you're no one to talk because you're the left's version of Steve King. Well, actually, I'm sorry. Elon Omar is. Following a 2018 trip from the depths, King reportedly met with a group founded by a former Nazi officer. Mosberg said he was very disappointed by AOC's rejection. She should be taught a lesson. If you're not there, you will never know what happened. She doesn't want to learn. She's looking for excuses. I would like to nominate her for the Nobel Prize in stupidity. There you have it. AOC's rep told the Post, she made a distinction between a death camp and a concentration camp. She's been pretty outspoken about the issue. If she accepts his offer, the nonagenarian said he would personally give her a tour of the camps. I can show her where, my, where they killed my mother, my grandparents and cousins, so she understands this. I will bring her to the place where they give my wife's mother injections to the heart and put her to the, on the fire. Mossberg, who was born in Krakow, Poland, witnessed unspeakable horror during his years. And they have this photo here. It says, Mossberg still wears a uniform from the concentration camp he was in, so people remember the atrocities of the Holocaust. I saw people being hung, being beaten to death by dogs, attacked by dogs. I was laying on the ground. The Nazi guards were trying to kill me. A badly beaten Mossberg had nearly lost the will to live by the time he was liberated by the American troops. I didn't want to leave, he recalled. I didn't know where to go. He spent months in an Italian hospital before immigrating to the U.S. with his wife, also a survivor, in 1951. They settled in Harlem and eventually became a real estate developer. He still wears a camp prisoner's uniform during lectures so people remember. The father of three, the father of three and grandfather of six has been back to the camps dozens of times and helped lead educational tours, including last year with Republican and Democratic members of Congress at Auschwitz. From the depths has taken 20 members of Congress, including New York's Carolyn Maloney, on its educational tours. They were very shaken and upset learning about the torture, torment, and murder, he said. They think every congressman should see it. She, AOC, doesn't want to go. Unless you go into that dark place, you can't understand it. Eventually, you will see she will lose all the Jewish vote in New York. Maybe. I don't know. I think there's too much political pandering, tribalism. You're going to get people, like I mentioned for the millionth time, on the left, right? We, have the, we can see it right here. Nobel Prize in stupidity. And you can see this photo. It's kind of hard to make out, but he's wearing uh, well, it's like a medal as well as his uniform. I think it's wrong to try and use these insinuations, these accusations. They claim, oh, Trump should know better, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not, I'm not here to play that game. You know, take this guy at his word if you want, but I'm just so sick and tired of all, all, all of the stupid posturing. Thanks for hanging out. Stick around. I will see you all tomorrow at 1030 a.m. On, on, on this channel.
uh, and on the podcast at 6.30 p.m. Again, thanks for hanging out. I'll see you all next time.